This is episode 575 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, You Can't Shoot Germs, A Prepper's Guide to the Next Level of Self-Defense. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, from time to time, I get asked by listeners of the podcast and readers of Prepper Website how they can help support what I'm doing in the preparedness community. Now, I don't have a Patreon or a donate button or anything like that. But if you purchase from our Amazon link, you can support us by going that way. Now, it doesn't cost you anything extra, and I get a small little percentage, and that helps to defer some of the costs that I need to run Prepper Website and the Prepper Website podcast. So it's not a necessary thing, but if you want to be a blessing to what we're doing in the preparedness community, you can always do that. I have links on Prepper Website and on the Prepper Website podcast. And actually, I have links kind of on all the websites there. And uh, it makes it kind of easy for you just to click there and go straight to Amazon. And like I said, it gives us a little blessing, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. Our article comes to us from timgamble.com. A good friend over there, Tim Gamble, has written this article, You Can't Shoot Germs, A Prepper's Guide to the Next Level of Self-Defense. You know, I was uh, coming home from church and was listening to one of the prophecy updates. I believe it was John Haller's prophecy update. And he was talking about all the superbugs out there. And this really isn't specifically dealing with superbugs. That is an issue that, guys, to be frank, we're all going to be dealing with here in the near future. But we can start preparing ourselves and also getting ourselves to that Um, that way of thinking and that line of operating where we are protecting ourselves, where we are being very proactive to protect ourselves from germs and what's out there. So Tim's written a great little article here. And so let's go ahead and dive right in. Self-defense is a major part of preparedness, as most preppers know. Yet when we think of self-defense, we think of people who wish to do us harm, like thugs, criminals, looters, rioters, and even foreign governments. Against such enemies, guns and ammos can work well. But there is another enemy, and it is one against which guns and ammo are useless. Germs. Failing to prepare for those microscopic enemies can be as fatal a mistake as failing to prepare for human-sized enemies. Take your self-defense preparations to the next level by arming yourself and your family against the dangers posed by disease. Now understand this. In any collapse scenario, disease will play a major role. Due to the resulting breakdown of the healthcare system, the scarcity of medical resources, and the collapse of sanitation and waste disposal systems, hygiene products such as soap, shampoo, toothpaste, and floss will quickly disappear from store shelves, as well as luxury items such as disposable diapers and disposable feminine hygiene products. Water will likely become too valuable to waste on daily showers and frequent clothes washings. Lack of food will lead to impaired immune systems. Historically, during famines, most people die of disease than from actual starvation. In self-defense against people, the first line of defense is situational awareness. In self-defense against germs, the first line of defense is our health as it is now. 
The healthier we are now, the more we will be able to resist and recover from disease later. Developing our health and fitness and that of our family now should be a top priority for any serious prepper and survivalist. Now, I know people don't like to be lectured on their health, especially if we know we aren't doing all we should be doing along those lines, and most of us aren't. Besides, you already know what you need to do. Stop smoking or using tobacco in any form. Stop abusing drugs or alcohol. Lose weight if you're overweight. Be physically active and get into shape. Eat healthy, consume less sugar, de-stress your life, get enough sleep on a regular basis, take care of your teeth, and get regular medical, dental, and vision checkups. Simple, but requires a lot of work and sacrifice. Now, having plenty of food and water stored or otherwise, being able to provide it for yourself and your family is key to maintaining your health in a collapse. Food is not only energy, but is the nutrition that your body needs to repair itself and to maintain its immune system. A joke I often hear overweight preppers make is that their extra fat will enable them to do without much food longer than a skinny person could. Sorry, but that isn't how nutrition works. They may understand the energy of food, but fail to understand the nutritional side of the equation. I recommend a good multivitamin and mineral be added to your food storage as insurance against prolonged periods of limited food. A small bottle could also be easily carried in your bug out bag and survival pack. Vitamins and minerals don't go bad and are not required by the FDA to have expiration dates. Though some companies do put dates on their vitamins, typically one to three years out. Even as they remain safe, vitamins and minerals will slowly lose potency over time. So rotate your vitamins to ensure they remain fresh. Next, we need to figure out how we are going to handle sanitation and hygiene during and after a collapse, especially since modern infrastructure will likely collapse and resources will quickly become scarce. Stockpile needed supplies before any collapse. Everything from bleach and cleaning supplies to soap and toothpaste. Also, learn about alternatives you can use as your supplies run out. Examples, baking soda, sea salt, coconut oil, and various herbal powders can all be used instead of toothpaste. You can make your own soap and other cleaning supplies from many common household products. Many recipes can be found on the internet. And the point is to learn now before a collapse. Now, food preparation. It will be critical to keep all food preparation surfaces clean as well as dishes, cookware, and utensils. Washing hands before handling food is a must. Washing hands after handling raw meat to prevent cross-contamination. If you are processing wild game or fish or butchering domestic animals, keep those areas extremely clean. Learn before the collapse how to safely process and butcher animals. Now what about washing clothes? If there's no electricity, your electric washing machine and dryer won't work. Now what? A clothes washing wand and a large tub, along with a clothesline or a dryer rack, will substitute nicely. Remember, don't waste your potable or safe-to-drink water on clothes washing. Rainwater or pond water will work as long as it is relatively clean. Then what about trash and garbage disposal? Now, post-collapse, the garbage trucks won't be running. So what do you do? Yard waste, vegetable scraps, eggshells, and used coffee and tea grounds should all be used for composting to improve your garden soil. Newspaper and cardboard can either be shredded for composting or used as sheet mulch. Many items can be repaired or repurposed. Scrap metal is worth saving as it may become very useful after a collapse. 
Rinse the metal off if necessary and store in piles a safe distance from your home. It may become a good hiding place for snakes and rats, etc. Now, plastics and other non-usable trash can be safely buried away from your home. And be hesitant to burn trash during and after a collapse since the smoke may draw unwanted attention and since fire departments won't be operating. All right, guys, for the plastic, you know, I always imagine, unless it's just little pieces of plastic that you can't utilize, but I'm always imagining, you know, plastic tubs and, and other plastic items like that you can use in one way or another. Now, I know people talk about not burning stuff because they can attract attention, but you're going to have to cook. At some point, whatever stealth ways that you have to cook is not always going to work out. You're going to have to start a fire at some point or you're going to have to cook a meal or, you know, you're going to have to do something along those lines. So just remember that, you know, the, the ways that you have to cook your food, the more ways you have, the better it will be. The more options you have is what I'm trying to say, the better you will be. But at some point, you're going to have to start a fire, right? So that's just something to keep uh, in mind. So continuing on with this uh, one section here, don't let trash pile up near your home, garden, or animals. Trash heaps attract snakes, vermin, flies, mosquitoes, and other wildlife. It can be breeding ground for bacteria and are generally dangerous and unsanitary for a variety of reasons. All right, so let's talk about bathing and washing your hands. Even if you can't bathe daily due to limited water supplies, don't skimp on washing your hands and face or brushing your teeth. Keeping good hygiene practices during and after a collapse will be extremely important to protecting yourself and your family from disease. And then we've got this big topic. I, I bring it up all the time, human waste. Now, if your septic or sewer system is still working, but you no longer have running water, you can still use your toilets by pouring water into them to flush the waste. And of course, this water definitely doesn't have to be potable. So don't waste your drinking water. Use rainwater or water straight from a nearby stream or pond. Or consider installing a composting toilet before the collapse which both allows you to deal with human waste and provides rich compost for your garden and really is safe, even if it sounds a little gross. Finally, you can always dig a latrine or an outhouse or simply use a five-gallon bucket with a toilet seat. Mixing lime, wood ash, and dirt in with the poop can help reduce odor. Empty and clean the buckets daily. Of course, using the contents for composting, be sure to do this type of composting away from your garden and water sources and other potential contamination points and keep it covered to prevent flies. All right, so what about this topic, dealing with dead bodies? It will be a tragic consequence of any collapse. You probably won't be able to call the authorities to deal with it, so plan now what to do. Here are some thoughts. The sooner you deal with a body, the safer it will be, as the decomposition process starts almost immediately. Cremation probably won't be a good solution, as to thoroughly cremate a body will require enormous amounts of wood, fuel, and may attract unwanted attention. Wear disposable gloves when handling a dead body. Completely cover any cuts and abrasions you may have before handling the body. Wear a disposable surgical mask over your mouth and nose and wear goggles or safety glasses. A face shield would also work nicely. Wear a disposable apron or gown. As soon as possible after death, wrap the body in a body bag or several layers of garbage bags or plastic sheeting. Graves should be dug away from open water sources at least 100 feet or more and deep enough 
or covered with rocks to prevent animals from digging it up. Thoroughly wash yourself afterwards, even using bleach to clean your hands. Dispose of the gloves, surgical mask, and apron. Then roughly clean and disinfect all equipment and surfaces that came into contact with the body. Keep notes on who you bury and where, along with information on the circumstances of their death. Once law and order is reestablished, the new authorities may ask questions. And what about avoiding sick people? Avoiding sick people is a lot easier said than done, even in good times, as we have little control over people who choose to go to work, school, or shopping while sick. But to the extent you can, avoid being around with people who are sick. This is especially true during and after a collapse. This means trying to avoid large crowds whenever possible. It means having enough supplies so you don't have to go out if there is an outbreak in your area. When you do have to be around someone who is sick, take proper precautions like washing your hands frequently and wearing a disposable surgical mask. Now, wear a disposable surgical mask in public in good times and bad. Taking the bus, train, or subway, visiting a flea market, or otherwise hanging around a large crowd of people in tight quarters, trading with the homestead just over the hill, take a clue from the Japanese and wear a disposable surgical mask. This will help you not spread your own germs and help you avoid the germs of other people. They are also great pollen blockers for those suffering from hay fever. This isn't common in the West as it is in Asia, so you'll likely get a lot of strange looks. But is it really effective? Actually, yes. According to a study published in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases, December 2008, masks have a protective efficacy of about 80% against respiratory illnesses like colds and influenza. Now, despite your best efforts, you or someone in your family or group will likely get sick at some point. What then? How do you deal with a sick person during and after a collapse? Well, setting up a sick room, also known as a quarantine room, is a good idea. A sick room is a place in your home specifically set aside for the care of a sick person. The room is apart from the rest of the house, perhaps the bedroom at the far end of the house, and folks know to avoid it unless they are taking care of the sick person. Plastic sheeting and PVC piping can be used to create an entrance area just outside the bedroom door where the caretaker can prepare to enter and leave the area. The room should be fully stocked ahead of time with needed supplies. A good article by an RN on this topic can be found on the Survival Blog website. It's called Setting Up a Sick Room in Your Home. And there is a link to this article here if you want to go check that one out. Now, you need to figure out now how to treat illnesses when there is no hospital or doctor available. For my money, literally since I have bought two print and one Kindle edition, the absolute best book on this subject is The Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way by Dr. Joe Alton and Nurse Amy Alton. Now, in its third edition, the book has over 650 pages of well-organized and well-explained information on dealing with disease and injuries when there is no medical help available. An invaluable resource, I consider this book to be an essential core book for any serious prepper or survivalist. The knowledge it contains could literally be the difference between life and death in a post-collapse world. Especially useful in preparing for a post-collapse world is its list of medical supplies, over-the-counter drugs, training, and alternative treatments to acquire before the collapse. Now guys, if you've been a listener to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that that is the book that I say 
Every prepper, it should be the number one book every prepper has, the number one book you ever buy. And so I think number two should have should be the second book that Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy have written on antibiotics. But anyway, that's just my uh, that's just my opinion. But of, right now, it's Tim Tim Gamble's opinion as well. We both agree on that. That this is a very valuable resource that you should have. All right, so jumping to this last little section, and this one is to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. That's the question. I'm not going to tell you what to do on this one. It's up to you. People on both sides of the debate have very strong opinions when it comes to vaccines. Pro-vaccine people point to the success of vaccinations with wiping out diseases like polio and smallpox and fervently believe that modern vaccines are safe. Anti-vaccine people point to a lot of anecdotal evidence that vaccines can cause various problems such as autism and infertility, and they don't trust corporations or the government to tell the truth about the safety of vaccinations. And a third set of folks believe that vaccines are generally safe, but that we are way over-medicating ourselves, which could create unintended consequences. Therefore, they are reluctant to take every recommended vaccine that comes on the market. So decide for yourself... If you need more information to decide, check out this book. And so there is a, a book here. It's a very, and with a little blurb, and it's called Vaccinations, A Thoughtful Parent's Guide. So just in case you might be interested in this, I'm going to go ahead and read this little blurb. It says, how to make safe, sensible decisions about the risk, benefit, and alternatives. This book discusses both the pros and cons of vaccinations in a fairly even-handed way. Now, here's the little blurb. Midwife, herbalist, and mother of four, Aviva Jill Rom, Rome probably, shifts through the spate of current research on vaccine safety and efficacy and offers a sensible, balanced discussion of the pros and cons of each routine childhood vaccination. She presents the full spectrum of options available to parents, full vaccinations on a standardized or individualized schedule, selective vaccinations, or no vaccinations at all. Negotiating daycare and school requirements, dealing with other parents, and traveling with an unvaccinated child are covered in detail. The book also suggests ways to strengthen children's immune systems and maintain optimal health and offers herbal and homeopathic remedies for childhood ailments. Emphasizing that no single approach is appropriate for every child, the author guides parents as they make the choices that are right for their child. So this book is available on Amazon and there is a link to it in the show notes. All right, guys, this is one of those topics. Again, it's not very sexy. I'm not talking about bug out bags and I'm not talking about everyday carry. I'm not talking about all that kind of stuff, guns, firearms or whatever. But this is one of those things that it this you know can affect you and your family. And I don't I mean, if you are listening and you're not a parent, uh, you know, you still, you're going to get sick. If you're a parent and you have kids who have gotten sick, you know how painful it is to see them. And right now when times are somewhat good, right, you can go to the doctor, you can go to the hospital, there are emergency services and just think about if there wasn't that available for you. And so you want to know what to do. You want to be able to make some good decisions. And so this is one of those topics that we really need to kind of put in the back of our mind and think about a little bit. Uh, germs are one of those things that even if you think things look good, they can still be all over surf surfaces and, and can get you sick. I know that when I was on the campus and it was, you know, well, I mean, there was always kids that were sick, but especially when it was flu season, oh my gosh, I was like 
crazy always washing my hands my hands would actually get dry because i would wash them so much they'd start cracking right and they'd start hurting or whatever uh, because i was always washing them and i would uh, make sure that i would we had an entrance to the office area where you'd have to open up a door and i would you know usually go through that door but it meant you know turning the knob and, and doing that and then we had another entrance where it was kind of open. And so, you know, during that flu season, so that I wouldn't be touching doors and things and, you know, whatever, I would always, you know, walk around to make sure that I went through the opening so I didn't have to touch anything. So imagine that on a greater scale where you, you want to just be careful that you are not getting sick. You don't, you can't afford to get sick. You can't spend that time to get sick and you don't want your family getting sick either. So guys, this is a great article over at timgamble.com. And like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can click over there and read it for yourself or click on some of the links. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 475. Great way to kick off the new week. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com or you can search for the Prepper Website Podcast in your search function of your podcast catcher. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list and we can stay connected that way. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.